You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to help you plan that unbelievable travel experience. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, excursions, and more in one place. There are over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from, so you can find something for everyone. And Viator offers free cancellation and 24-7 customer support for worry-free travel. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. What's up, everybody? Thanks for joining us today. My name is Ken Swanson. This is the AP Laboratory. This is kind of a special episode. It's really not special. We had some technical issues earlier in the week. Couldn't overcome them. Uh, much like the Chiefs couldn't overcome the last loss of Patrick Mahomes. Or the trade much, deadline. Or the trade. I was going there. That, that's okay. That's Maddie Lane. Find him on Twitter at Chief in Carolina. How are you, my friend? I'm doing good. I saw my window. I had to take it. It's very late as we record this right now. So uh, I got to get the jokes off the hip. Got to get my Capone necks out there. <laughs> oh, my gosh. Uh, <laughs> Craig, find him on Twitter at Barley Hop. What's up, my friend? I'm doing fantastic, you guys. It, it, like Maddie said, it's very late. Um, we're having to record this for the second time. So some of these questions we've answered before, guys. So feel special because we're answering them twice for some of you guys. Some of you, we answered it once and had to cut the question. Uh, and I apologize to some of you. I think Brandon422 uh, suffered a loss there. A couple others. Here's what we're going to do today. We're going to kind of try to do an abbreviated version of the mailbag. And then we're also going to do the game preview uh, today. So you're going to get it a little bit earlier than you normally do. Our sincere apologies about not being able to get two episodes out this week. Uh, And you missed some really prime content uh, on Monday, too. Prime content. We're really bummed that, uh, that we couldn't get that out. So... Let's go ahead and just jump into the mailbag, and we'll start with some of these questions. We'll get to a game preview of the Vikings later. But let's start with this. Uh, we got a five-star review question. Uh, CJ asks, how much do you like, uh, or how much do you think Mahomes' mobility will be impacted by the knee brace he will be required to use when he returns? Uh, Craig, I think you said we had an update on maybe what Mahomes might be working in right now. Uh, it sounds like uh, Mahomes is wearing a little bit of a compression sleeve based on what some of the locker room reports were so far. So it doesn't sound like he's going to be wearing an unwieldy brace, at least in practice. So we'll see when the game comes along. But it looks like it'll be something that still allows him full range of motion. And kind of like we discussed throughout all of this, they're not going to put him out there unless he has his full range of motion to go. Uh, yeah, so like uh, we'll, we'll kind of just we'll kind of play by ear. We'll see what happens. I think you know they're going to be very cautious with him. I don't think they're going to throw him out and put him at risk, even though they're I'm sure trying to win this this game this week. So it's definitely something to monitor, and we're going to be monitoring it throughout. We're going to be talking about that later. Uh, we got questions from the Gmail account. You can always reach out to us at apnerdsquad at gmail.com. Here are some of those questions. Uh, disappointed Ryan asks. I'll keep this short and to the point. Why did we cut Cody Thompson for a punter? Is Dustin Colquitt hurt? Even if he is, why did we cut our best practice squad player? Uh, We are definitely pouring one out for sure for uh, our guy, 
Cody Thompson. We were all big fans of his. I really like him. I my guess is, you know, he, we'll see. I know he just signed with the, the the Seahawks practice squad. If he sticks there, good for him. If not, I could see the Chiefs bringing him back at some point. I think I I, I think Nick Jacobs, our buddy. Uh, you can find him on Twitter at Jacob71. He does some great work. He also has the 4th of 1 podcast. I think he showed a clip of Dustin Colquitt on his first punt coming up a little bit limp. I would imagine they are probably just trying to make sure everything's okay with him, give him a little bit of insurance. Yeah. Uh, Dave Tobe likes live punters in his practice segments. He doesn't necessarily like to use the jugs. He's he also likes bad football players at the bottom well, of the roster. Well, yes, but I was trying to avoid that and go analytical with no. you. Yeah. No. Anyway. I, you left so, the door open, bud. Jack Fox coming in to kick some live punts. Makes sense. Um, also, I love this question. I love all of you guys that listen here. Guys, how many other podcasts get asked questions about the best practice squad player on a team? I mean, that's that's pretty phenomenal that that our listeners care enough to ask us questions about the practice yeah. squad players that's awesome we love I genu- you guys i genuinely do appreciate that especially as much work as we do on the draft and and all that stuff and and we really were kind of banging the drum for certain practice squad players and lottery tickets so anyways maddie did you have anything to add to that my only thing is this just further pushes forward my disdain for kickers and punters not being cross-trained you you don't think that Dustin Colquitt, if you're not sure he's going to be able to make it the whole game because he might be injured, why can Harrison Butt kicker not also punt? They practice every single day. He does nothing for half of it. Once he's done kicking, go f- do some punts instead. It, I Maddie, don't understand. I, I can half an- seems genuine. Seems generous there. Half I can I can generous. explain. I can explain because I have recently watched some Dave P- Tobe pressers on the Arrowhead Pride YouTube channel. Mm-hmm. Dave's, Dave's a, they're a directional punt team, which means that you really got to focus on your, your directional punting. So it's not just as simple as sitting back there and kicking it deep. You got to be directional about it. So Rashad Fitton and, and, and uh, Dan Sorensen and Dorian O'Daniel can get down there and make the tackle. James they, Winchester. No, that's, James Winchester. That's absolutely fair. I just don't understand when you have a kicker and a punter that does nothing for 75% of the practice, why they cannot be working on the other kicking skill. That would be like, well, I guess the Chiefs are a good example, but that's like having a linebacker that can only play the run and never practices playing the pass. Boy, that take actually turned into a real take, and I must stop it immediately because... <laughs> We're not here to talk about special teams in any kind of seriousness. Football is not special teams. I'm very Fixed. serious about kickers and punters being cross-trained, though. <laughs> Dear Kent, Matt, and Craig, though I am mourning the fumble by LaShawn McCoy and was mortified by the decision to punt on fourth and three, so were Awful. we. I was enamored uh, by the smorgasbord of plays by Matthew Erickson Moore. Threw in the middle name that sent a tremor throughout Arrowhead Stadium. He showed no remorse. After his immortal performance, I asked his supporters the next morning whether they wanted more, more. They said, please, sir, may I have some more? That was from Oliver Twist. Gimme, gimme more, gimme more, gimme, gimme more. That was Miss Britney Spears. 
Uh, and then when the mood hits your eye like a big pizza pie, that's a more A. That was Dean Martin. So my question to you three is, do you want more, more? That was from Aussie Chief. Shout out to Aussie Chief. That was awesome. That was a pick-me-up. Anytime that puns are involved, you're, you have a better chance of making this show. Uh, okay. Another Gmail question. Landon asks, hey, guys, I didn't really think I would ever be asking this question and if not, and it not be about Cam Irving. <laughs> but... Is there anyone else that could play where Ben Neiman lines up? Because in this Packers game, every big play was led up defensively when it looked like the defense was holding up and the link, the weak link was him, not Charvarius Ward or any other common names you would expect in this list. It just seems like it was Ben. Well, it wasn't just Ben, but Ben was bad. Uh, ben was not good on the day. Ben honestly hasn't been good for large parts of the year. When he had to fill in for Anthony Hitchens in the base, everybody was disorganized. Nobody seemed to realize what was going on. So I do think that there are guys on the roster that have the capability to do what Ben Neiman does. The problem is Steve Spagnuolo doesn't think so. And neither did Bob Sutton last year with Dorian O'Daniel. So they, they really... It should tell you a lot about the players on the team if you're witnessing these linebackers perform as poorly as they are and these other guys can't get on the field. That means that it's something else because it's not athletic ability. It's not like Ben Neiman is a super athlete. We know that Anthony Hitchens and Damian Wilson and Reggie Ragland aren't particularly fast linebackers, can't really cover. So that means that it's got to be a mental side to the game. There's something behind the scenes that we're just not seeing that's preventing these guys from getting on the field. Like Craig was saying there, I think there's something that's keeping Darren Lee off the field a little bit more. We saw him at the beginning of the year, and it's not like he was doing any better than Ben Neiman, but it was about the same. He was roughly the same level of impact in terms of the coverage linebacker, and he's a much more athletic player. So if they were all things equal, he would be seeing the field more. The fact that he's not means that Ben Neiman probably understands something about the defense a little better than him. I think Darren Lee's missed tackles. He got beat a couple times over the top. He's a little late getting out into the flats. All these things are true for Ben Neiman as well. So the only thing that's separating them that gets Ben Neiman on the field has to be something that we can't see as fans. And I think that just goes triple for Dorian O'Daniel. He hasn't been able to make it on the field at all. He's fast. He changed directions well. But there's a reason that he's not on the field, despite Ben Neiman's, ben Neiman's athletic limitations. There's something going on behind the scenes that we just can't see that makes him the best coverage option to them. I, uh, if you listen to Andy Reid's press conference uh, today, I I don't know who to credit for this, but basically they asked, somebody asked them about Dorian O'Daniel and his defensive snaps. And Dorian O'Daniel doesn't have a single defensive snap this entire season. And Andy Reid gave some kind of answer regarding those defensive snaps that said he said he no he looks he looks good when he's out there looks it looks good on defense he's a good special teamer looks good on defense. Uh, that's yep. yeah you must be talking about nah. practice andy all right let's yeah. jump to the twitter questions clint mckenzie maybe he's asked, confusing o'daniel and Sorensen since they both have a 40s number that could be it that could be it uh clint mckenzie how many draft picks do the Chiefs have currently, and in what rounds are they? Thank you so much for all you do. So I'm guessing Clint asked this because the trade deadline, maybe they were wanting to, you know, potentially he was wanting to talk about maybe the assets that the Chiefs could move. Matt, I'm sure, has plenty of thoughts about uh, the trade deadline. We're not going to go there yet. The Chiefs Does Craig have, now have thoughts about the trade deadline? 
the Chiefs have we'll, we'll get there later. The Chiefs have a first round pick, uh, their own first round pick. They have a second round pick, and it will be the worst of the Niners and the Chiefs. The thirty three ers are dead. The sub forty ers are pretty much not happening. I'm sad. Uh, the 64ers. Chiefs, the, <laughs> sixty. Years. It might be the sixty ers Oh, could you imagine if it's the Chiefs versus the Niners? In the Super Bowl, and all I'm gonna be, I'm just gonna be like really hoping that the Chiefs win for a lot of reasons, but one of them being so they get one pick earlier in the second round. <laughs> uh, they have they have their third, their fourth, and their fifth. They traded their sixth round pick for Darren Lee, who can't see the field, and they don't trust, even though he's talented. And then they traded their seventh for Jordan Lucas, the Lucas locomotive. That seventh round pick is paid for itself just because of the name. Uh, I miss the Lucas locomotive. Anyways, Techno Brad asks, I understand why you guys keep pounding the table for a cornerback. What I don't understand is how a cornerback is going to help the linebacker core be any better in coverage. It's a good point, Techno Brad. Please help me understand. Hashtag Fire Veach. I am very glad that you asked this question, Techno Brad. This is a good question because this gets mentioned all the time because people see the difficulty the linebackers have. Here it is. When you have bad cornerback play or cornerbacks you don't trust, you have to play with two high safeties. That means you have to have a safety, two of them deep on either side of the field to help these said bad cornerbacks so they don't get beat over the top. When you're putting two safeties deep, that means you have one less athletic player that you can drop underneath or play in the intermediate zones, those areas where the linebackers play. Now, just because the line, if you could add safety help to those linebackers, those shallow zones, it doesn't mean that everything's going to be fixed, but it's going to help if Tyron Matthew gets to drop down and play a shallower intermediate zone. See Denver, see Baltimore, the Baltimore game. It does help, but when you play against an offense that you're afraid of threatening you vertically and you don't trust your cornerbacks to cover the wide receivers, bad wide receivers like Jake Kumaro or Alan Lazard, when you don't trust your <laughs> cornerbacks to cover them one-on-one, you play two high safeties. That leaves your linebackers isolated underneath, and the Chiefs are getting taken advantage of there over and over again. Adding a cornerback just means that we get a roll one safety down into the box more often, play with a single high safety, probably shaded away from the good cornerback like a lot of other teams do in the NFL. And the Chiefs just aren't at a point where they can do that because they don't trust Charvarius Ward, Bashad Breeland, Kendall Fuller, or Morris Claiborne. And I really don't think they should. Yeah, uh, Matty hit on something perfect there. If the Chiefs don't trust their cornerbacks against Jake Kumaro, Valdez Scantling, uh, Alan Lazard, Jimmy Graham's corpse. I mean, this <laughs> if they don't if they don't trust these guys to carry vertically against uh, Valdez Scantling, I, I'll give him that. Val, Valdez Scantling is a good vertical threat, but if they don't trust them against the rest of those guys, and they feel like they have to play two deep safeties against them, that should tell you what Steve Spagnolo thinks of their cornerback play right now. And I get it. The linebackers are bad. One of the best ways to get a guy matched up against a linebacker in an advantageous position, force teams into man, which Spagnuolo is playing a lot more, especially this past week when he was blitzing so much, and then force them out to the boundary where safety help is either going to be late rotating or in some cases driving on underneath routes and not helping the linebackers over the top. So there are situations where you can get those guys in there. A coverage linebacker is still needed. We're not saying a coverage linebacker isn't needed, 
but a, a stud field tilting corner opposite of that allows the team to do so much more up front, allows them to play better, more advantageous matchups without having to worry about getting beat deep so often. And I'm just flat out frustrated that the Chiefs have two guys that should be able to cover uh, at the linebacker position that they spent a third and sixth round pick on in Dorian O'Daniel and Darren Lee that they flat out haven't been able to use because they don't trust them. And they haven't played well. Uh, That's just more... Uh, lamenting the 2018 draft class and what they did with the six-round pick more than anything. <laughs> but, I mean, come on. The Chiefs, uh, it, it's bad. It's bad. It's real bad. It's real bad. You have athleticism at the linebacker position. Now I'm going to get started. I'm going to get going. I think I did this the first time we recorded, too. Yep. It's just... It, uh, the, the, they wasted... They burned a top 100 pick. They set it on fire. Then they set their sixth-round pick on fire. Darwin Thompson and Rashad Fenton have been sixth-round picks recently. You're getting more, and you're more hopeful with what they're doing than what Darren Lee is going to do in the next eight games this week or this season. He can't... uh, He's bad. (laughs) He's bad. They're paying him $3 million, and they paid a sixth-round pick for him to not play because he's bad. Because they needed a linebacker that could run. Because because they drafted a top 100 pick at linebacker that can run. They can't can't trust. They can't trust. Yeah, he can run. He just can't trust. It's it's a bad situation. It's a bad situation all around. And hey, at least they've attempted to address the linebacker position instead of the cornerback. Yeah, they've traded for one that can't run. They paid a lot of money for one that can't run. They paid a small amount for one that can't run. Yep. Pretty much. The linebacking position is a massive black mark on Brett. And somehow it's not the blackest of marks. (laughs) Can you get a black mark if you don't try at an entire position that is probably one of the five most important in football? Absolutely, you can. We have discussed this on the podcast. We've discussed it to death. Brett Veach has ignored the cornerback position, and even though you can't overpay for a guy at the deadline and all of that, I get all of those arguments, but you cannot ignore it for three years. You if can't. The, if the Le'Veon Bell rumor was true, I... It wasn't. You it can wasn't. go situation by situation and make up a logical train of thought for why the Chiefs have not gotten a cornerback. You 100% can. The problem is once you put all 150 names since he took over in a line, it makes zero sense that the only ones they're bringing in are the scrap heap from other teams. That is not how you run a successful NFL team is taking leftovers that other teams didn't want. These guys weren't top five corners. Their team did not want them to be one of their five best corners on their roster. And those guys are starting for the Chiefs, and it's by choice. All right, we're going to jump off this one. I'm sure we could keep going. David Maida, how confident are you that if Mahomes was healthy and played against the Packers, the Chiefs win that game? If Patrick Mahomes is healthy, this team's undefeated. I really believe that. At worst, they have one loss. This team is very good with Patrick Mahomes, and it's because Patrick Mahomes is is a generational talent. They still have all these problems in the world, and you just hope that they don't get exposed when it matters the most. Uh, but if Patrick Mahomes is playing, 
this team has a chance to do everything that they're setting out to do, even though they sat out the deadline, Maddie. I think that with Patrick Mahomes, the Chiefs win that game because he can match Aaron Rodgers' hero plays, and that was ultimately the difference besides the fourth down call. I think the one caveat is I think the Chiefs clearly caught the Packers planning for and expecting all those injuries. I think that did affect their game plan. The Chiefs kind of caught them with their pants down a little bit because there's no way that game should have been that close with all the injuries the Chiefs had. Yes, Steve Spagnuolo and Andy Reid called very good games for much of it, but they still just kind of caught the Packers looking past the Chiefs based on the injuries. Mahomes is out there. I don't think the Packers do that. I just don't know if it makes a difference because I think that he is that good that he's going to go toe-to-toe on those hero plays, those great plays that Aaron Rodgers made. And what I saw of Tyreek Hill destroying Kevin King, I'm not not (laughs) sold that he doesn't go for 180 yards and two touchdowns of Pat plays. I, I will say this. Outside of Patrick Mahomes, if there is one player and I haven't talked to you guys about this if there's one player on the defensive side of the ball that I think makes the most impact and it's not going to be the guy you guys think it is it's Kendall Fuller because Kendall Fuller moves Tyron Matthew back deep yeah those those empty checks were not handled properly they did not handle those shifts out wide and they were really kind of relying on Juan Thornhill and Dan Sorensen to do that because Tyron Matthew guys has been playing in the slot for the most of the past two weeks with Kendall Fuller out. Rashad Fenton has got some time but it's been mostly Tyron Matthew. I think if Tyron Matthew's deep maybe they shift stuff. Maybe they change stuff. It's not that Kendall Fuller's been good or anything. It just moves Tyron Matthew to a position where maybe he can make some of those judgment calls a little bit better. Vitamin J asks, is Tano Pasnio developing into a good rotational pass rusher worth extending? You have to tread lightly with K-Pass right now. I think he has some flash plays. His freakish athleticism and length does show up. When he gets going after a quarterback, he covers the ground quickly. You can find reps of him where he looks really good, where his pass rush really clicks, and it looks very clean. There's way too many reps where, as Craig put it, Jimmy Graham's corpse is able to block him, and Jimmy Graham's corpse shouldn't be able to block anybody, let alone a defensive end, but he one-on-one K-pass multiple times in the run and the pass. You just can't have that if you're going to get paid good money to be a rotation. If your job is a rotational pass rusher, Jimmy Graham, even in his prime, cannot be able to block you one-on-one. That's just not how it works, so I think you have to tread very carefully. He's still very inconsistent, but he is improving. He is getting a little bit better. He does belong on a roster. I just don't know if good is the area I would go, and you're only extending him if he's going to be cheap. Uh, N-Dog07 asks, are the Chiefs a better road team? All three losses this season have come at Arrowhead. I've been pondering this myself for quite some time. After last night, I really think you can argue they are a better road team. And if so, let the road to the Super Bowl go through New England. I think the common denominator has nothing to do with Arrowhead. I think the common denominator has to do with the fact that Patrick Mahomes was injured for the, uh, you know, really for that, that three-loss stretch. You know, he really didn't get to play healthy. He got to play healthy for like a quarter against the Colts. It was a thing of beauty. They win that football game if he's healthy for the duration of that game. They win the game if they're healthy for if he's healthy for the duration of the Houston game, too. And I think they win if they uh, if they have 
uh, Mahomes for the Packers game as well. So I think it has more to do with the health of this team, Patrick Mahomes being injured and all that stuff. Uh, Chief Boyar DG asks, Veach's 2018 draft was bad awful. This year's draft has looked a lot better than I initially believed. Which draft do you believe is what we should expect in future drafts? If the 2019 draft is what Brett Veach does in the future, is it crazy to skip the trade deadline and write it out? Obviously, this question was asked before the trade deadline, Craig. Well, good call. <laughs> he skipped the trade <laughs> deadline, held out. I, I don't think that you can reasonably expect to have the sort of home run that the 2019 draft is looking to be right now. All of these players are contributing in some kind of way. Really, the only two that aren't are Darwin Thompson and Nick Allegretti. And I think you can kind of hang your hat on those guys a little bit as being future significant contributors. I would have said that Rashad Fenton wasn't that guy, but honestly, he's looked okay when he's not getting beat on a quote-unquote speed out by Alan Lazard. So I, I do think that they are getting more out of this group than a lot of teams are getting out of their 2019 drafts. That's good. The 2018 draft was awful. I just think it, maybe you got Brett Veach a little more comfortable. I would guess that going forward, it will be closer to the 2019 draft than the 2018 draft that's just an abysmal failure, but maybe not quite as awesome as the 2019 draft appears to be. I don't, I don't think that being a good drafting team makes it okay to skip a trade deadline move if it's going to make your team better. Even the best in terms of drafting, you're still getting a rookie that needs to develop. It's going to take them a year, two years, three years to likely get better than the player you traded that draft slot for. So I don't think that it stalls your team out. I don't think that it's a bad thing to trade a draft pick in the future for a better player than what you would be drafting in said future. That said, if you draft well, it eases the need to go get these guys. And that's kind of where the Chiefs got in the pickle is they didn't draft well in 2018. They had a lot of holes coming into this year. They filled some with the draft. They still haven't felt filled all of them and that's why i think there was a push to make a move at the trade deadline from a lot of fans the draft in 2019 looks great i i'm with craig i don't think you can expect to hit on two guys that are contributing as heavily as juan thornhill and mccall hardman are in every single draft this early in their careers even colin saunders looks good when he's getting out there i don't think you can expect that year by year but that 2018 draft, you have to hope, was just an anomaly of a guy in his first draft trying to play it safer, looking for culture, cultural try-hard guys, and kind of got lost in the weeds rather than drafting and trusting his evaluations on the actual player. And you hope you get a lot more of 2019 out of it. I uh, I hate the word try-hard. I just It just shakes me to my core. I just don't like that phrase. I think the 2018 draft is part of the reason that they're playing so much catch up right now with a lot of the things that they're trying to fix right now. They they set a lot of capital on fire in 2018. Uh, they traded up for Breland Speaks, who is now halfway through. He's going to be halfway through his rookie contract, and you've got next to nothing out of him. Derek Noddy, he's the only one that's shown signs of life. Dorian O'Daniel is lucky to be on this football team right now. 
Uh, If Dave Tobe didn't like him, I don't think he'd be on this football team because he's not getting reps at linebacker, and they are terrible at linebacker. Sure sure he is. Andy said that he looks great on defense. Oh, that's right. Oh, I'm sorry. My apologies, Craig. He has not given up a single yard in his coverage all year. Oh, that's that's absolutely true. Not one completion. Not one completion. Not one yard has been allowed on Dorian O'Daniel on defense. That's a good point. They've they've burned a lot of draft capital. They wasted a lot. They tried to get run stopping culture changers try-hards. and they still can't stop the and they try hards and they still can't stop the run. 2019 has been awesome and it's really been fun to watch. I think they've done a fantastic job early returns on 2019. They've found a way to utilize McCole Hardman perfectly. Juan Thornhill is good. He's very good. I'm very excited about him, his long term. Colin Saunders, I think, was getting a red shirt. Thrown into the fire. I think it's great that he's getting opportunities now, and I think he's actually held up pretty okay. I think you got to be really encouraged by what you're seeing with him so early. And then Fenton, Allegretti. I think Allegretti starts at some point. I think they like Darwin Thompson. I think someone tweeted out earlier this week that they really like Darwin Thompson still. They're still excited about his future. So great class. I don't think you can expect that moving forward. I think Brett Veach was in over his head for basically the entire 2018 calendar year. I think there's some signs of life. I think he's having to play catch up right now, and I think he's having a really hard time trying to account for some of the big mistakes of 2018. We're going to take a break. We'll be back after this with the game preview for Chiefs Vikings. Vacations can be tricky. You already know how to book flights and hotels, but now the only thing you're missing is, you know, the actual travel experience. Because is it really a vacation if you're just sitting around like you would at home? You need a tool to get the most out of your time away. That's where Viator steps in. You can book guided tours, activities, excursions, and more in one place to make your trip truly unforgettable. Viator has over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from. Everything from simple tours to extreme adventures and all the niche, interesting stuff in between so you can plan something that everyone you're traveling with will enjoy. Real traveler reviews give the inside scoop from people who already been on the experiences you're considering, so you can plan with confidence. Free cancellation helps you plan for the unexpected, and 24-7 customer support means you can travel worry-free. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. All right, thank you guys so much for sticking with us here. I know uh, you know it's kind of been a weird schedule for us this week. We didn't get to do two episodes. We're going to jump into our game preview for Chiefs versus Vikings. We're turning the page to that game. There's three storylines on offense and defense we're going to talk about. Obviously, players to watch on both sides of the football as well. But let's start with this. As we currently sit, there's a lot of mystery about whether Patrick Mahomes will be playing this week against the Minnesota Vikings. Uh, he looks much better than he did even last week. I thought he was look, look, looking a little ginger last week. Um, it would be a very aggressive timeline for him to play. But I think, you know, based on some of Andy Reid's comments, you've heard him say, you know, he wanted to get back in the game against Denver with a dislocated kneecap. I mean, this guy is a different human being. I'm not putting anything past him. It sounds like they, as best case scenario as you possibly could with a dislocated kneecap. Maddie, do you think that we're going to see Patrick Mahomes this week? 
I think if the Chiefs are, want the number two seed in the playoff picture, then yes. If they think it is important to get that bye week and let a very beat-up team get some rest going into the playoffs, then I think they do have to play Patrick Mahomes. If they are less worried about getting that rest and would rather just rest Mahomes now, which is a completely viable option, you could go into this game, see if you win with Matt Moore. If you don't, you take your loss. You just fall farther behind that kind of racer number two seed, given that you have neither tiebreaker versus the Texans or the Colts. If you're okay with that, then you just sit Patrick Mahomes. So it's really what the Chiefs want to do, what they want to go after. Yeah, if you leave it up to Patrick Mahomes, he's going to play. If you leave it up to the Chiefs and the Doctors, I don't think he will. Uh, Eric Fisher, so far, is not practicing. He had a setback. Uh, They said that they're resting him and that groin injury because it kind of... Kind of cropped up sore last week after he practiced in a limited capacity. If Eric Fisher's not out there and Cam Irving has to start against this Vikings pass rush, honestly, I, I don't want Patrick Mahomes out there. I, I think that that's a recipe for disaster. I don't want him to get hurt again. Give him another week. If you give him another week, guys, that is 25 days since he last played football I'll tell you what, I bet you that ankle's feeling a lot better than it ever has throughout the course of this season. You Uh get a better Patrick Mahomes. I'm all for it, but that's me. One thing I'm keeping an eye on is you see the list of guys that didn't practice this week already on on Wednesday. You got Frank Clark, Laurent Duvernay, Tardif, Eric Fisher, Alex Okafor, all those guys, and Bashad Breeland. All those guys didn't all those guys didn't practice this week uh, on Wednesday. That might be an early hint that the Chiefs aren't pushing on anybody to get back super quick. They might just try to weather the storm with Matt Moore one more week. That would kind of be my guess at this point, I think. All right, Craig, you mentioned the Vikings pass rush. Uh, Cameron Irving has his hand full this week. His hands full. Uh, the entire offensive line really has their hands full this week. Of don't turf, think. of grass, <laughs> dirt. I mean, yeah. it, it's it's grass. It's grass. They're playing at Arrowhead. Um, the Vikings pass rush is very good, you guys. Uh, the Chiefs, we know, are fifth in sacks. The Vikings are two sacks behind them on the year. Danielle Hunter has eight sacks on the season already. He's been fantastic. Everson Griffin looks much better. He looks a little bit rejuvenated again. Four and a half sacks. Linval Joseph, defensive tackle on the inside, has three. And Anthony Barr, a guy that we kind of had talked about somewhat this offseason, kind of playing that Sam linebacker sub-rush role, has a sack and a half as well. Those four guys are really dangerous. And they can get after the quarterback really, really well. I am frankly terrified of what the, that group of guys can do. I know that the Green Bay Pat, Packers pass rush, the Smith brothers are really, really good. And the Chiefs did a pretty good job leaving in help and keeping those guys away from Matt Moore. I just think that there's maybe one too many bodies to try and protect against this week, especially with Laurent Duvarney-Tardif out this week. Maybe Andrew Wiley gets to come in and mix in, but... I just think that there's a little too much aggression there. I think the Chiefs' offensive line is really going to get maybe their best test of the year uh, against this Vikings pass rush. 
I think the Vikings will pin their ears back. They will be coming for Matt Moore or Patrick Mahomes. That's how they play. They have the talent to do it. And like Craig said, the matchup isn't necessarily in the Chiefs' favor. But one thing that I think the Chiefs will do, and you saw them do it to the Packers a lot, they're going to get their athletes the ball in space, and they're going to dare the Vikings secondary and second level to run with the speed that is McCole Hardman, Travis Kelsey, Tyree Kill, any one of the running backs you want to pick. They're going to challenge them behind the pass rush. You want to start bringing some blitzes with the linebackers, something the Vikings have liked to do in the past with Zimmer. That's fine. We'll get the ball out in space just behind them. We're going to test the a cornerback speed and ability to tackle out in space because there's no other team in the NFL that is as dangerous with any just about any skill position player once they get the ball in their hands than the Chiefs are. So bring as much pressure as you want. If the Chiefs are ready and get the ball out, then that's just going to make it that much easier for them going downfield. Yeah, they're just going to screen them to death too. Mm-hmm. You're just gonna you're just gonna give easy completions and with space for Tyree Kill if you're too aggressive too. Yeah, uh, I I wouldn't hate the I don't hate the idea of resting Patrick Mahomes because of that pass rush though. I I flat out I I don't hate it. I I think they're gonna have to really try to you know if they can squeeze a win out of this that would be massive. I don't know how great I feel about that, but um you know it we'll see. We'll see. Uh, the wide receivers for the Chiefs have an opportunity this week. It's it's a very deep group for Minnesota as far as you know guys that they've spent a lot of draft capital on in Minnesota. Maybe it's not been the most productive, the the most consistent group. There's a lot of talent over there at the cornerback position, but this should be a week where the Chiefs should be able to have some success with their wide receivers, Maddie. The Vikings will probably play a lot of man coverage like a lot of teams have done against the Chiefs. And I think that limits some usefulness out of some of the depth wide receivers, the Demarcus Robinsons, your McCole Hardmans. I think you have to do a little bit more work to get them open versus the secondary. But Sammy Watkins is healthy. Tyreek Hill are healthy. You're going to play man coverage on either one of them with anybody on the other team. I feel very confident that they're going to be able to get open if you're not giving a lot of safety help. How do you give safety help when there's also Travis Kelsey to worry about and then whatever one of those Robinson Hardman players? Defending the Chiefs is very difficult if you don't have top-end talent at the cornerback spot and the Chiefs' receiving options are healthy. They're healthy now. Good luck to Minnesota for having Xavier Rhodes or Trey Waynes try to cover Tyree Kill and Sammy Watkins. I just don't see how that's going to go well for them. I, I think that Minnesota has to play too deep. Like, you, you can't get away. I, Harrison Smith is a really, really excellent, strong safety. I think ideally you'd like to have him matching up against Travis Kelsey to try and do what he can there. But honestly, like Matty said, Trey Waynes and Xavier Rhodes can't hang with Tyreek Hill. Trey Waynes and Xavier Rhodes might not be able to hang with Sammy Watkins. So I think that that is a plus-plus matchup for the Chiefs offense there. I... I just don't think that they have the horses to really run with it. And I think if you kick Harrison Smith out of the box, out of being able to kind of match up against Travis Kelsey, then you're going to see a little bit more of Ben Gideon, Eric Kendricks, and you know trying to chip Travis Kelsey off the line, yeah. which could slow down that pass rush. Those are all beneficial things for the Chiefs offense. For sure. Uh, give me a player to watch on offense, Craig. I want to find out if LaShawn McCoy is in the doghouse still. 
Two crucial fumbles lately. He's clearly the most talented runner that the Chiefs have. Clearly. Clearly the most talented runner that the Chiefs have. But if you can't protect the ball, Andy Reid's just not going to put you on the field. We saw that. He benched him this week. So we need to see if LaShawn McCoy can be trusted. This is a, a tough defense. These are pretty decent linebackers I do feel like if LaShawn McCoy is careless with the ball again there's a good chance that turnovers could come from this so I'm very curious to see his usage this week and how much Andy Reid trusts him the guy for me to watch I mentioned him a little bit it's Tyree Kill I think since Tyree Kill's come back he's Chiefs fans are recognizing it but I don't know if it's gotten enough attention he's been dominant he's been elite since he's come back already I I think we're due for a game where it starts to really catch on and get all the attention that he deserves, but he's been nothing short of unstoppable just about every week. No team the Chiefs have gone up against has had an answer for Tyree Kill yet. I can think it's just going to continue, and Minnesota's defense still kind of has that stigma of being a very good defense that has the ability to shut down the opposition, whether that's true or not. Tyreek Hill has a big game, and I think it really starts to put his name back on the map like it was last year as one of the best five receivers in the NFL. For me, it's Darwin Thompson. So you've seen him kind of start to give a little bit of opportunity last week. He got in it for a few reps. I'm just kind of curious to see if they're just kind of easing him in for the second half of the season, if they're trying to utilize him a little bit more, if it was just an aberration because – they had seven injured players or six injured players and they could only act you know it they just they didn't really have a choice but to not activate him i'm just kind of curious to see what his role is this week if they give him a little bit more if they give him another touch or two uh just kind of fascinated if if there's if there's a role that he could start carving out here uh so i i'm just i'm just kind of wanting to see if this is a a repeatable uh repeatable action for him all right, let's talk about the defense now. Uh, we've got three storylines on defense. I think Craig and, and me and Craig were talking before Maddie got on. Kirk Cousins can be affected, <laughs> and good things can happen when you affect Kirk Cousins, Craig. Listen, Kirk Cousins, within structure, without pressure in his face, will carve you up. I, I think that we've seen that over the past several weeks. Kirk Cousins' numbers look great. He's getting it to elite wide receivers. He's getting it to his playmakers. Damage is being done. Kirk Cousins is a completely different beast the moment he starts to feel pressure. He starts seeing ghosts like Sam Darnold. He starts turtling a little bit, and he stops becoming as effective. He also holds the ball longer than any quarterback in the league. Over three seconds on average, Per throw, that's half a second longer than the Chiefs have seen on average for a year. If the Chiefs can dial up some more blitzes, try and force the Vikings to kind of go away from maybe some of their play-action passing game, longer drops, trying to take these longer shot plays, force the you know force these wide receivers to play some more shallow routes and things like that to try and get Kirk Cousins comfortable, that's a benefit for the Chiefs because they win by moving the ball through the air with these deep passes to these elite receivers. You get in Kirk Cousins' face, all of a sudden he's floating stuff throughout the middle of the field and you can really affect his passing game. 
I think it's going to be a little difficult for the Chiefs to get as much pressure on Cousins as it kind of was for them for Aaron Rodgers Mm -hmm. for the simple fact that I think the Vikings will establish the run and try to dominate the Chiefs with the run a lot more than the Packers did. And that makes you have to hesitate a little bit more when you're sending linebackers in delayed and from all these different angles. So if the Chiefs are out of rhythm defensively, if they can't put their finger on what the Vikings kind of offensive rhythm is going to be like they were able to do the Packers, I think that's going to be a lot harder to get pressure on them with the blitz. You're going to have to rely on your front four, which if you get Clark and Chris Jones back, that helps a ton. It's not a great offensive line. So that, I mean, that's going to be huge if that ends up working for them. It's just I think the Vikings are going to do a lot more than the Packers did to stall out the rush before the play actually starts. Craig, you said something interesting. I just want to congratulate Kirk Cousins on being uh, the best seven-on-seven quarterback ever. Congratulations on that, Kirk. I'm sure that uh, that that translates all the time consistently to quarterbacking the game of football. I'm sure you're not a big coward when it comes to pressure. I'm sure things don't get. I'm sure balls don't get put at risk. Uh, when Kent, when any Kent. form of pressure approaches you whatsoever, uh, Kirk. Uh, congratulations also on being the biggest dork of all the quarterbacks. And I, I, it's kind of interesting that no one's quite sure if your receivers respect you at all. Uh, because you've seen them, we've seen them rolling their eyes at you while you're criticizing their route running or what route you want them to run. You have a cubicle. At, at the Vikings facility where you draw plays and all that stuff. Congratulations on all of that stuff. I'm sure you're a stand-up guy. I just think you're a giant dork. I think you're afraid of pressure, and I don't trust you remotely as a quarterback. If you were my team's quarterback, I would lose my mind. Sorry, I just needed to rant about a quarterback. Uh, it's been a while. It's been a long <laughs> week. It's been a long year. being a dork, and we call ourselves the nerd squad. No, it's different. He's, he's mad at him for having a workspace at the Vikings facility to do his job. The gall of that guy. Go check your 401k, Kirk. Have fun uh, living yeah, in your how face dare you say for retirement? I, yeah, I know. 401k's been on my mind lately. I, uh, I, I, I don't know. I just don't like Kirk Cousins. I don't really have a great reason say. to. It's, I don't really have a great reason to. Like I'm being real. I just think he's a giant dork. I don't respect him. I don't trust him. I don't think his receivers respect him. And I think that's part of why I don't respect him. So I think how do a- we avoid having Kent eat his own words and getting cooked by Kirk Cousins in the Vikings offense? That's a great question, Matt. Let's move on to that. So Speaking of cooked... I think it's going to be very difficult for the Chiefs to stop the Vikings getting... Or to stop the Vikings moving the ball through the air. I think you saw the Chiefs that's- go to... Craig, that uh, Maddie, that's not what the subject was. You missed the pun, though. Kent used it's a pun. Dalvin it's Cook. Dalvin Cook. Oh, see, I thought we were talking about having to stop the wide receivers. Now, okay, well, that's, I see, I that's know, what I you see get. For, that's what you get for trying to transition yourself. Listen, I was tired of your Kirk Cousins slander. You, you really Kirk Cousins to that. Um, I'm hanging up now. <laughs> okay, Maddie's Maddie's out. So, Craig, no. What we we wanted to talk about Dalvin Cook. Dalvin Cook is having a fantastic season, and uh, the Chiefs have to avoid letting him just do whatever he wants. Yeah, that that also matters. They also have to stop Dalvin Cook as well as the receivers. To stop Dalvin Cook, the Chiefs are going to have to play better run defense than they have all season. 
I know they were good against the Broncos. They were okay against the Packers. But this rushing attack the Vikings have is just, it's been killing teams lately. They have been absolutely running all over everybody. They don't have a good offensive line, but they do a good job of stretching plays out, giving Dalvin Cook plenty of lanes to look, to identify, and cut through. And he looks a lot healthier than he obviously has before when he was injured. He looks really good this year. The Chiefs are going to have to be a lot more responsible in their gap control because he will cut back. He will take the very far backside cut anytime you give it to him. And if this Chiefs team speed, he will be gone. He's not the fastest player, but he will absolutely outrun most of them if they overrun their lanes. Yeah, he's agile. Like that's that's the thing that that's scary to me is that he's very agile and very tough to bring down. Uh, the Vikings are not afraid to use 21 personnel all game long, use a fullback and a tight end. Kyle Rudolph blocking. Uh, they've got a good blocking tight end as well. And uh, his name slips me right now. I think it's maybe Mike Boone, but they. They actually have very good blockers, and they and Dalvin Cook's a good running back that has good vision and can hit the hole. Like Matty said, the, the offensive line isn't particularly good, but a lot of those guys that they can use in space to try and help block some of those linebackers and take away some of those angles are very good at doing so. Dalvin Cook is a nightmare matchup for this Chiefs defense. I hope that this Chiefs team is secure in their tackles because they're not going to be able to rotate Tyron Matthew down. They have to keep two high safeties again this week. So this this could get scary against a run. Speaking of offensive line, Kirk Cousins really got on Garrett Bradbury, his new center, he because he was too sweaty. Oh, my goodness, Kirk. Oh, my goodness. God forbid you use the towel. Like, seriously, like, why are you calling out your center, your rookie center, who is trying to keep you protected? What's that got to do with Dalvin Cook? I don't know. We're testing the Chiefs cornerbacks. <laughs> testing the Chiefs cornerbacks, Craig. Uh, I, I feel like this is a good week for uh, the receivers to challenge uh, the, the talented wide receivers. It's We don't know if Adam Thielen for sure is playing. Stephon Diggs, both of those guys are really good football players. Feels like a really bad matchup for the Chiefs if Kirk Cousins can get them the football. Yeah. Uh, they also have Olabisi Johnson, who's been pretty good for them. Bissy! Yeah. Uh, Our guy. We are big we're fans big of him fans in the Casey Draft Guide. So uh, they have a very scary wide receiver core. Stephon Diggs is one of the uh, somehow still underrated route runners in the league. He's fantastic. He will absolutely torch a good cornerback. We've been hearing for the past three or four weeks how well these cornerbacks have been playing. This is the test. The Vikings could absolutely torch these guys. Now, they torch lots of guys. They torch good cornerbacks. It's not the end-all, be-all here, but if these guys are improved... If this scheme is actually fitting them well, if they are playing well within it, you should see them win some matchups against some really elite wide receivers here. I'm very curious to see how they match up. I'm very curious to see how Charvarius Ward, Bashad Breland, if he plays, Mo Claiborne, uh, how those guys look against these just really top-notch receivers. 
The last time the Chiefs played a good or competent quarterback and wide receiver combo was the Houston Texans. Mm -hmm. And everybody remembers the Houston Texans kind of having a lot of success running the ball and all the missed tackles and short passes to tight ends and running backs, which absolutely happened. People seem to forget the 150-plus yards and four touchdowns that were dropped by wide receivers vertically beating cornerbacks and the safeties. This is the first time since then that the Chiefs will be going up against an actual real NFL-caliber passing attack. This is a test for them. You ask to when will people, when will we start to think that the Chiefs' cornerbacks are good and not the issue and not a problem on the team? This is it. If Charvarius Ward, Bashad Breeland, Morris Claiborne come out here and they play well against Thielen, Diggs, CB, all these guys – then, hey, double thumbs up, maybe cornerback is an issue, and maybe all of a sudden these guys really start to figure it out. If this returns into another Houston Texans game with or without the drops, then it's just another reason to say sometimes the stats don't tell you the whole story. Sometimes you have to watch and see the context that led to those stats. Absolutely. Some people need to hear that. Uh, I side with Thielen and Diggs in the great uh, arguments about Kirk Cousins, those guys are exceptional talents, and uh, they deserve... Hey, Craig, would you uh, say that Kent is the Kirk Cousins of this podcast? Right now, yes. <laughs> Probably. <laughs> Maddie's just trying to move on, and I'm just over here. Just it's so late, on. Kent. <laughs> All right, players to watch. Maddie, uh, uh, Craig, we'll start with Craig. Go ahead. I had Charvarius Ward on here, but I switched it up last minute. Chris Jones... If he plays this week against Garrett Bradbury, against the kind of really not great guards out of Minnesota, they were beat by knifing penetration. They were beat by guys that are quick to a single gap, able to dip underneath and really kind of play in this one gap scheme. Chris Jones could absolutely dominate if he's feeling healthy if he's feeling able up uh, you know to play 50 60 percent of the snaps this week chris jones could be the guy to really kind of destroy the front there my guy to watch for the chiefs defense is going to be uh kurt cousins because he's going to be the best player for them out on the field no really oh that was my best uh kent impression i even had a hair flip in there you guys missed <laughs> yeah right there up. was a hair flip can't confirm so uh, my guy to watch is Emmanuel Agba. I think with Alex Okafor's injury, he's going to get more snaps. He's probably been deserving of them anyway without the injury, especially if Frank Clark can go. He's going to get kind of the less attention. He's going to be the guy that's going to be able to benefit the most from Jones and Clark being back. Whether he's working on Riley Reeve or especially Brian O'Neill, those are two guys that can be gotten by power moves, by length. That's what Emmanuel Agba has. Let's just see if he continues to push on a strong season that he's showing development and playing better and better each week. I really think he could develop into what we thought Alex Okafor was going to be when we first signed him this offseason. My guy's Juan Thornhill. I know we go to Juan Thornhill a lot, but I'm very anxious to see what he looks like this week, and here's why. Because Kirk Cousins is a coward, he likes to put the ball at risk when he's against pressure, and he lofts the ball, and he'll throw it up in the middle of the field like a coward because he's afraid and because he can't handle pressure well. So if Juan Thornhill just has a, an extra little second or two to make a play on a football, that might be all he needs. I think he's actually been in really good position so far this season. Um, for the most part, I think last against the Denver Broncos, he was basically... he beat the throw more or less like he was in such good position that he kind of took himself a little bit out of making a play on the football down the sidelines to I think Cortland Sutton 
Juan Thornhill, I think this is a game where he very easily could make a play on the ball, especially if Cousins is lofting one of those against pressure because he does tend to kind of sail footballs when pressure is in his face like a coward. All right, that is going to do it for this week's episode. This is a, a game preview slash mailbag. Thank you guys so much for your patience. Thank you guys for listening to this show. Uh, we will be back next week to discuss the Chiefs beating Kirk Cousins. Catch you later. If they lose, it's on Kent. Support for this podcast came from SAS. Data is everything. And now everything is data, which means more to process, more to analyze. And now more than ever, speed to answers matters. So how do you produce those answers as fast as the world produces data? With SAS VIA, the quickest way from a billion points of data to a point of view. It's a more productive data and AI platform that helps you get more done. Learn more today at sas.com slash V-I-Y-A.